Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods, Trailer Valet, and the Fishing the Line video up on my YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram channels. Today's guest is Butch Brown, the GOAT. Um, Butch has been a huge supporter of this podcast. Uh, he came on 124 episodes ago, 99, I think, or something. Not sure. But he's been a huge supporter of the podcast. Not only that, the fucking guy comes with Seven bikes to donate for the toy drive. Amazing. Uh, he's been a huge supporter. Uh, thank you so much, Butch. Everything you've done for this podcast, it's greatly appreciated. And can't wait to have you back on again, I think, in the next month with uh, Robbie Aparicio, which will be a great one. Great striper guy, largemouth guy. Amazing. Um, yeah, this is the last of the toy drive. There's some Q&A in there. There's some uh, flow tube stuff at Casitas. Great, great podcast. Uh, this is the last one of the toy drive. Thank you guys that came for everything. Appreciate it. And, uh, here is a piece from trailer valet. Thank you. Trailer valet for, uh, sponsoring the podcast for the last three months. Greatly appreciated. If you guys can please go to trailer valet right now, enter the code cast and crank 10 for 10% off, uh, grab a hitch. They got all kinds of stuff. They got a ton of stuff. They also got the Blackout Series stuff, so please go check that out. Here's a piece from them. Trailer Valet is a disruptive brand that is focused on helping people save time and get to what they love most. They listen to the people out there doing their thing. The fishermen, boaters, RVers, campers, overlanders, adventurers, and are constantly innovating to design reliable products that make towing and trailering hassle-free. From remote-controlled movers like the RVR to the industry-leading drill-powered JX Jacks, Trailer Valet has the vision of being the go-to one-stop shop for all trailer owners. Today, they continue to expand into the new product categories, and by sharing real, inspiring stories, plan to continue their mission of helping people save time and move forward. Check out the online shop at TrailerValet.com and use the code on the podcast, CastingCrank10, for 15% off your order. Thank you for the support, guys. Please go check them out. 15% off if you use Cast and Crank 10. Check out the uh, Blackout Series hitch. I really like it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Again, it's Cast and Crank 10. Uh, check that code out. It's only going to last a couple more days. Appreciate you, Trailer Valet, and uh, hope to work with you in the future. Um, check out Cast and Crank Podcast. Grab a shirt if you can. Uh, I think we have some hats left as well. Check out the YouTube. I got a lot of cool stuff going on. I just bought a lot of cool equipment. 
We'll be doing YouTube, but it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be every episode, but it's going to be a lot of them because it's going to take a lot of work to do what I want to do. It's going to be really cool what I'm going to do. I just don't have the time or the money to pay someone to, to fully do every episode the way I want to do it. You know, I am with audio. I, I can't stand if something's not perfect. So it'll be almost every episode, 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 fucking idiot episode. Um, but it's going to be really cool. I'm waiting on the intro. It should be done by my buddy, Nick. Uh, he did it for me. I think, uh, this weekend he did it. So I'm hoping to get that back. Um, check out the Patreon. This month's Patreon is sponsored by Swimbait Underground. You have a chance at one of the D3 in the trout pattern. Um, link is in the bio. Also, check out the YouTube. Follow if you can. And lastly, give us five stars on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, and that's it, guys. I'm not sure who's next week. I have no clue. <laughs> I had uh, Gavin and I had Matt on Captain's Concepts. That was really cool. And I have Carnell coming on this week. Bait Religion, Australian dude. It's cool. Murray Cobb, we're going to talk about that. And I have, um, who else? Oh, Ben Milliken. So I got a lot of good ones coming up. I got a ton of people coming on. And I want, it's going to be cool. Our Carnell's episode is going to be the one where we're trying out everything new. And I think it's going to be really cool where everyone's going to be into what we're doing. So please check that out. Please check out the YouTube. Thank you guys for all the support. Please sign up for the Patreon if you can. That's <laughs> so uh this guy so it this guy changed the podcast i'm gonna say it. he he came on he opened up uh he he's come on multiple times he's came on fumio another great amazing dude he's gonna come on again with uh robbie and you know like uh i want to say thank you butch for making this all happen this you kickstart the podcast you threw you kicked it in the ass because it was cool and it did a lot of good things. You came on and that motherfucker just jumped and went crazy because you opened up. And I want to say thank you. And not only that, this fucking guy goes, it's a toy drop. I'm bringing toys. He brings seven fucking bikes. Who the fuck? This guy's a, he's the goat. He's the goat. Put your hands together for the goat. This is the guy. This is the guy. Yes, it is. Yep. Scoot the mic up a little bit. You can bring it real close. So he's been on multiple times. He's told multiple stories. And what I want to do is dive into the deeper stuff. I talked to um, some of your friends, Shane, Big Rob. They said you did a lot of float tubing, casitas. We'll talk about that a little bit because it's something different. These guys, I, I, like, I love the old stories. So if we could talk about old stories, some stuff you've done. When you were coming up, you know, like that's what people haven't heard. So maybe if you could, yeah, I mean, throw them for, can you bring it a little closer to the mic? Can you guys hear him? Hello. Kevin, can, can we hear him? Like that? There you go. All right. I've only been in a float tube two times in my life. And the only reason for that is, is the first time I was on the lake, and I had a 68 pound limit 
and Fish and Game took my picture, and there was a float tube derby the next day. And Hold I'd on, never, wait. You had a 68 I'd pound. never been in one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never been in Can a, you break in, this whole day down, please? This is like an amazing story. Well, it was just, it was when op, op, it was the it was the optimum the first optimum that had the the hook in the back with the weight in the head the osprey was the first one that was in line but it was the beginning of those and the fish were stupid they you know i mean they wanted that bait it was ridiculous and back then there was no internet there wasn't anything like that and there was trout stocks so uh i had those baits because a lot of those baits evolved here in, in Southern California, big baits. You know, Osprey, Optimum, AC Plug, Castaic Lures, uh, Bass Tricks. They all started here in our, in our, in our hood, you know. So uh, this is where it all began. But getting back to, the, uh, to that limit, a uh, uh, fish and game guy named Marty Wall, who Shane over here knows, was watching me from a bridge with a with a scope and he kept seeing me going into the live well and there was splashing going on and seeing me getting out and then throwing something in the water well i was on a high spot and the fish were in a channel and i just happened to be on it and back then i had a uh lawrence x15 paper graph Fun. and i would run that graph paper all day long i'd never turn it <laughs> off and I sat on this spot and I'd watch the fish move up, go under my boat in about every 15 minutes and then they'd go off the edge of this, this drop off. We call it the humps. He knows exactly where that's at. Um, and then I knew it was time to cast in that particular direction because I knew where the fish were gonna go. So I knew what they were doing. And then when the patrol boat came out with the fishing game guy on it, he got, they got up next to me and they asked me, he goes, what's going on? You know, he, he goes, I go, dude, I got big bass in my live well. And he's like, no way. And I go, I opened it up and he goes, he goes, oh my God. He goes, <laughs> he goes, we want to see how you do this. And I, I go, okay, hang on, you know, and we're sitting there. And while he was sitting there, they were tied up and I go, look at the marks on my screen. And here they are just going across the screen. And fired that bait out there and got about a 15 right in front of them with them next to me. Damn. And by then I was sort of like limited out, you know, uh, I caught a couple more after, but they were the ones that actually took the photograph of me uh, with, with those fish. But back then I didn't have a five fish stringer. So I had to sort of hold them and, and do what I had to do to, to get a decent shot because we didn't have digital camera back then. I used to go buy the, the Polaroid Instamatic that came in the little plastic case that was waterproof with 12 shots in it for three bucks and throw one of those in the boat, take 12 pictures and hope one of them came out. And sometimes they never came out. Sometimes they, it was all screwed up, but uh, you used to take it to a photo mat but you, a lot of you guys wouldn't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's how it went down back then. But I knew the next day was a float tube derby and a friend of mine who's passed away had a float tube and he was my size and everything. And I called him. Uh, well, actually what I did is I knew I was gonna be calling him. So I took a, a lead head 
and I dropped it down on some mono and I sucked the juice box down and then I tied the juice box around the mono and I threw it in the water right where I was at. So I knew where I wanted to be if I was coming in that float tube. Went home, oh, called him. He said, yeah, I got it. You can have it. Went and picked it up that night in Canoga Park from, uh, I was living in Moore Park at the time and got to the lake in the morning and there was probably 30 float tubers for sport chalet back then. They're all drop, they're not even drop shotters. I don't even think that was in the cards yet. I think they Damn. were uh, split shotters and whatever. But they saw me with one rod and it was a Loomis halibut stick with a uh, Calcutta 400. And it was a very stiff rod because, and they saw me with my optimum bait on there. It was a 10 inch. It weighed, pro it weighed a lot. It was a big bait. And no trap hook, no nothing, just they're out of the box, you know, it's a learning experience. And I could hear them talking behind my back, <laughs> you know, like, what's this guy doing? And, oh my God, did you see that? And this and that. And then I heard the scuttlebutt about a guy who caught a 68 pound limit yesterday. Those guys didn't know it was me. <laughs> so, uh, so I got in the tube. We went out and I paddled across that lake and then I realized what a pain in the ass float tubing is. <laughs> no matter how hard I paddled, I didn't go fast. And it was cold, I think it was February. And uh, I had to go all the way across the lake to get to where I was at. Nobody was over there, just me. So I got there and I had a five pound rock cod sinker. I was thinking ahead of time on my buoy marker. And I got to the spot, I dropped it down. I tied myself up because those float tubes, they go all over. Had my juice box right here. I'm throwing towards that tree way over there on the other side of the lake. And I threw and threw and threw and threw and nothing. Wasn't getting bit, nothing was happening, but I knew they were there. And uh, so they have weigh-in boats around the lake. So as soon as you catch a fish, they give you this stupid little whistle. You're supposed to blow it. It sounds like a train. And then he comes over, ruins your spot, takes your <laughs> fish, and then goes weighs it, and then they calculate it. They destroy more good fishing than what they do, but it's the only way they could do it. So <clears throat> he comes over at about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and he goes, hey, Butch, he goes, um, you know, they're catching fish off the beach there, and if you get a, a worm, you catch yourself a limit, and you'll... Uh, you know, you can get in the, you can place. I'm like, nope, fishing for one fish, man, one bite. So I kept fishing and then he was firing up to rotate with another guy. Well, I got my bite. Um, it was over 12. Uh, so he was freaking out and uh, he uh, got my fish from me. I had to put the fins out, you know, to guide it in and grab it do the whole thing. Then he took it across and they weighed it. And winning weight for five was like under 10 pounds. This was over 12. And when they got over there, they had a fish pin from the fish and game department. And Marty Wall was there. And he asked him, he says, is that Butch's? <laughs> yep. So they kept it in the well. 
or in the, the pen for a while. And then I paddled back across the lake where the guys were. And it was almost about 20 minutes before we all had to get off. And uh, I wanted to be in front with everybody, but they're all fishing in tight for the little, little fish that are in there. And I'm on the outside and I get in there and I know my channels and I fire that bait back, back up inside there and I get bit again. And this time the fish comes up right in front of everybody and it's gotta be 14, 15 pounds and then throws the bait and they're all, you could hear them screaming up there like, whoa, my God. So anyways, short, I went in, I won a U-boat float tube for big fish. I won the one, like the fat cat that has the oars with the two pontoons. I won that one. I won gift certificates and I pretty much took it all with one fish, swim bait uh. fish. Now it's the first time I'd ever been on a float tube. And uh, I ended up, uh, one, my boat was used for a weigh-in boat. So when I left them, I had two float tubes tied to the back of my boat. <laughs> and we went back over to the truck, deflated them, put them in, and then went back out fishing, only to find that particular guy that saw me catch that fish anchored up on my spot. And that pissed oh, me off. Oh, shit. But uh, I let him know. I'm not bashful. I'm a fisherman, you know. Uh, he wouldn't know about that unless he was there, but he was, I think it's a conflict of interest to be away in boat, see you catch fish, and then the tournament's over, but he goes and takes your spot from you. I don't think that's right. But yeah. I let him know, and he got to be a very, very good friend. Oh, that's cool. The other time I was in a float tube, the lake got shut down for uh, only carry-down boats or float tubes or kayaks only. Is this what, and this is Casitas? Uh, this is the after bay. Oh, this is after bay, okay. Yeah, All so right. I bought a fat cat, because I'm a little bit huskier, not quite <laughs> like him, but I'm bigger. <laughs> And I got in it. Take a drink of that beer, Butch. I got in it, and I started, I paddled out about 50 feet, and I started throwing a swim bait. And the wind was blowing a little bit, and I said, screw this shit. <laughs> and I got off the water, and there was a young, young Asian kid. His name was Ryan. He worked at, uh, I think, fishing pools. And uh, he was a husky. And I said, hey, dude. You want a float tube? He said, yeah. I said, here, take my fins, <laughs> take my float tube, you can have the whole thing. And then what I ended Damn. up doing is I went and I ran down to Bass Pro Shop and I bought a 12-foot duck boat and I put wheelbarrow tires on it, trolling motor and a seat, and then I just lift it up and throw it in the back of the truck. And then when I get to the lake, I lift it out of there and I wheel it right down to the water. And that was completely legit for them. And right now I had to buy my third generation of one of those and make it to be able to fish the lake because you know, we have low water. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to float tubes, it's not my style. And I'll be honest with you, these kids that fish float tubes in my lake are nerds. Okay? <laughs> They're nerds. They're not, that's what they are. But they got, hey, fuck you, nerds. But they got the, <laughs> the biggest kahunas of any, anybody I know. Because these kids are telling me about floating around in Marina Del Rey Harbor, fishing the break wall, hey, grab and, doing, and doing that kind of stuff in their float tubes. And I'm thinking, I'm not doing that. And these guys, don't, they, fear, they don't fear it. And I'm like, man, 
Have you talked to Jason at all, Bash Jack, about one, that? One is. One is a kid we call Fireball, and he's doing really good in Texas right now on, on that kind of stuff. A guy named, kid named Brian. But, uh, but yeah, hats off to them because I'd never float out there. I've seen some crazy stuff, you know, out there. I've fished the breakwater back in the 70s at, at Long Beach, you know, back in the day. So, uh, you know, and that's so, I don't want no part of that. It's amazing because you talk about... Uh, I'm a calico guy. I love calico fishing. Mm -hmm. That's my thing I do. And we talk about it, and you're like, yeah, I used to take a boat, go to Santa Monica, take that boat and push it out into a Santa Monica break wall. Yep. Which is, like, great place to fish. It is. It's amazing that you were like, we used to kill them. You know, like, it was a fun time. Uh, dude, some dudes in here have caught big fish over here. I could see him. Uh, you know, float Sam tubing and doing some cool. And it's super cool to, like, to give a comparison on a calico bite, like I got to take Caesar and all the guys, and we caught little fish, but it's fun. They they fight. You they know, fight they, hard. Yeah, little ones fight really hard. But back in the day, we didn't have Spectra. We didn't have any of this stuff. So we fished like the Ambassador five thousand or six thousand C. We'd spool thirty pound line on it. You didn't get a whole lot, and we had a a thing of heads and what we call rat trap skirts that were fluorescent. And once we tip it with a little squid strip, and uh, at that time I had a K5 Blazer, really nice four-wheel drive, and I could literally drive to the side of Santa Monica Pier at eight o'clock at night, and I would drive my Blazer across the sand <laughs> to the water, <laughs> so pull awesome. the boat out, electric motor, uh, oars, tackle, tied it all down in a bag, put it all there, parked the truck. And then me and my buddy would wait for the time to surf and then head on out there and, and fish that break wall. And back then, um, it was before it got washed out, you know, the fish there were four to eight pound average, you know, and they were mean oh and they were dark. And uh, once in a while you'd get spooled and you'd have to pin it and it'd snap your line. And it's only uh, maybe a hundred yards long at best. And then by midnight, we'd be tired and time a wave in get the boat up, bring the blazer down, shove the boat in real quick before the police showed up, and then get out of there. And uh, that's how we did it back then. And as far as the federal breakwater, we'd launch at Cabrilla. This was back in the early 70s. You are getting big ones then too as well? Yeah, we'd get yeah. fish up into the eight pound class, but Damn, uh, all sizes nice. there, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and there were stretches that were bleak and then stretches that were really good. Yeah. You could see the Long Beach pipe going off, you know, back in the day. Um, but that was, uh, it's all a learning experience, you know, uh, got nothing to do with swim baiting, but it's part of my life that I won't ever forget. It's know. cool because I, I mean, you're a huge saltwater guy too. Like you do a lot of saltwater fishing. You've been on with Wes you and fumio went out and you know like it's cool to see you do everything so a lot of guys just might go like i only swim bait fish you yeah. you're like i love everything like we went rock fishing you're like i'm in yeah i think you, you know? need to experience things like i don't need to go to the amazon i don't need to do that kind of stuff but yeah um if you're a bass fisherman and you've never hooked into a tuna and pulled on it like you're missing out on something <laughs> because he's gonna it's something that's gonna pull back you know, it's uh, it's like catching a striper at the lake too. You know, I'm not a big striper guy, 
but uh, they definitely fight and they're definitely something to catch but they they will take your lure once in a while so if you don't want to lose <laughs> a couple hundred bucks then you know don't cast too far off those points um, but uh, I've been doing the 18-day tuna trips for since the 92 and I used to go twice a year and uh, I've had my good trips I've had my bad trips I'm the first man to step foot on Clipperton Island in the Millennium no way. Um, which was exciting and it, these are places that that you see on TV that that so many people will never get to see giant sea turtles uh, whale sharks and big manta rays popping out and coming around the boat and 300 pound tuna coming up and eating chunks in the corner and you toss your thing in there and you're on and uh, getting spooled by a giant tuna and then having them hook on another rod and reel with two big buoys and then they throw that one in the water and then you're hanging on and then all of a sudden they come up with another one with two of them and you got, <laughs> That's you got fucking two amazing, rods out dude. there with you know a thousand <laughs> yards of line and then they finally pull the anchor and you start to catch up to it catch up to it and a lot of times the, the big fish die or they go off the reef and cut your line you know i've been in the skiffs where you hook a they started bringing a skiff on the boat so when you'd hook a big tuna and he's he's spooling you and you can't stop him well then they lower the skiff in and then you get in the skiff and then you get up to the bow and they hand you down the rod and you just sit you get in a seat like this with a gimbal and you sit sideways like this and you just let the tuna pull you and it you know and it tires him out and then eventually when he starts to slow down they fire the skiff up and then you catch up a you know a couple hundred yards of line and you keep fighting them and fighting Damn. them and fighting them yeah. you know because when you throw your reel in the water the drags get screwed up you either have full drag or no drag so it's it just slips for no reason but it's uh it's just super exciting to see that that stuff and the blow-ups and they're to catch it and for it to change the pace pounder. for you as well right like huh? to change a pace yeah. like you know like well, you're yeah i mean gourmet food you can't beat that <laughs> i have my own room tv vcr i got everything you know and uh they treat me good and uh you know when you come home you're done fishing for a couple of weeks but like the next day i'm back out on the water because I already, in years past, guys wouldn't fish between January 1st and mid-January for some reason, because we'd have rains. So I'd get to the lake and I'd go, who's anybody been out? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, it's been raining, blah, blah, blah. fish aren't biting, blah, blah, blah. and I'd go out there and stick a big one right away, <laughs> you know? Um, so it, it worked for me and, and uh, it's, it's not cheap. You know, I feel guilty sometimes, but uh, I've, met a lot of nice people out there and and uh it's definitely if you could just go once in your life it doesn't need to be an 18 day it could be a six or a five or whatever um it's it's quite an experience because like we i did five day trips uh, every year on a certain group well that's where i proposed to my wife was making mackerel at cedros island you know and went into the galley everybody was in there they were all in on it proposed put the ring on oh, that's so fucking cool man and uh that's i figured i could that trip that trip booked up for the rest of my life <laughs> well, that turned into an eight day you hooked trip. up your pb right yeah. there <laughs> and i told her when she got on the boat I, you know because obviously we were younger i said oh they have a sun deck and everything honey you can bring your <laughs> bathing suit you can lay up here well the sun deck 
is the second layer before you go into the captain's quarters. Okay. So she goes, well, where's the sun deck? Oh, it's, it's right up there. So here she comes out in her black bikini, walks up the thing and then lays down on the, we call it the beach up there. There are these pads that are up there. I didn't have to do anything for her the rest of the trips because the deck hands had it handled. <laughs> I didn't have to touch. I didn't have to tie a lure on. I didn't you have loved to it. Put line on. I didn't have to do anything. It was all handled from there on Shit. out. You know, and that was back when Rollo was running around. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, she she wouldn't. After that trip, she said, "No, I'm not not." <laughs> too many guys are running yeah. up on me she, yeah, but she, she used to laugh because you know she she would sit up in the in the up there and when we'd get a jig strike you know everybody's at the bait tank they got their hand in the tank you know and their rod in their hand and then as soon as somebody yells strike you know they're all grabbing for baits and trying to put one on and they're all throwing in and then the boat turns and they're chumming well meanwhile your bait washes out over here well the chum's all going over here so she comes down and just puts a bait on and throws it right there where the chum is. She's on right away. She goes, you guys are so stupid. Did you meet, you met, you met her on the boat other. though, right? You met her fishing? I met her in line at Castaic and I was with a friend of mine and there was a boat in front of me and this girl got out of the, her, the car and it was raining and cold and nasty. And she was getting the boat ready. I told my buddy, I go, man, I go, how come I can't get something like that? I go, <laughs> I go, she's pretty and she's out here fishing in the rain. I go, and he's like, yeah, man. Well, then I got to know them. And then her boyfriend was, that was the beginning of swim bait. So he, he sort of knew who I was. They lived in Simi. So I got to know him. She told me, she goes, yeah, I, I hate it. I didn't like you at all at first. <laughs> I go, why not? She goes, oh, you're too fucking cocky. You know? <laughs> She goes, I didn't like you at all. I go, well, then a couple years passed. I didn't see him much, but I saw her boyfriend. Then we had the earthquake, I think in 93 yeah, or yeah, two yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And she came into the donut shop where I had stopped on the way to work just to say hi. And I said, uh, I told her, I asked how everybody was and everything and, and uh, asked her how so-and-so was doing and she says oh well you know I'm, I'm renting a room with a lady now we you know this is her high school boyfriend for years and I'm renting a room at, with this lady over here I'm going oh really I, oh you're not going out with him no and I went as soon as I got off work man I went right into that bakery where she worked bought a cupcake <laughs> passed her out and that was that done deal Hey guys, since we're talking big baits right now, I'd like to talk about the Phoenix Ultra Swim Bait Classic casting rod. The Ultra Swim Bait Classic rod is the flagship of the Phoenix Big Bait Rods. The Ultra Swim Bait Classic is built on the world-renowned Phoenix Hybrid Technology Blank, offering a superbly light, fast, sensitive, and balanced rod. You could check these rods out at your local tackle shop or check them out at phoenixrods.com. Thank you again, Phoenix, for the continued support. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. <laughs> you know, so, but she's, she's the one that moved me to Castaic. She said, why should you drive 45 minutes one way when this is where you want to be? That's and I great, said, if yeah. you can find a house up here, then then fine. Well, that was the same time when you would find a house for 350000 You'd say, yeah, 350, yeah, that, we, we like that. They go, well, we've already had offers at 425, you know? So you're like, well, that's not working, you know? And uh, so she kept going every week because they were building a new, new track, but they were all sold out on the plot plan. And she walked in one day and the lady said, give me $2,000 right now. She's like, huh? Give me 2,000 right now. And my wife wrote her a check, gave it to her. She copied it, handed it to her. She goes, you just bought a dude house. And she said, you have an acre and a quarter off to the side. It's hill. She said, but the two, two families upstairs that showed up this morning, this house came on the market last night. They're here with their own real estate person. And when they get done looking at the model, they're going to run down here and want to put a deposit on it. And then when she said when they came down and she looked at them and said it's sold, uh, they were all pretty upset, but I got the house and, and so be it. So that's how we ended up up there. And I raised my kids there. We had trout stocks. They'd come home from school. I, I think you did a lot up there. I think you did some pretty good stuff up there. Got yeah. some big fish. Oh, yeah. No, it's been amazing. <laughs> kind of, kind of, butch, it's but... It's the kind of thing where you just go fishing. Just go fishing. Okay, so you're catching big fish. You're doing things like that, but you're Can not you the mic a little closer, butch? I'm sorry. Give me the mic a little closer. Just there you go. push it down a little. There you go. Perfect, yeah. You're not thinking about what... You know, you're watching these tournament guys bragging about, oh, yeah, I won 1500 I won 2200 You see all their boats, all their investments all their stuff that they do and it's just like well i'm not going to leave fish to find fish because i'm catching big fish right here you know and and then as time went on you you only have so many you take so many pictures of so many fish and it gets to be like a weekly thing that you start to have to that you know i i was told you know butch you you know you sent me 100 pictures this year you need to start doing video and I put the camera in the boat, didn't know how to use it, but was able to capture fish the first time. And, uh, and then that got put on the internet. I think I've said this before. And that's the biggest cast to catch, yeah. right? Uh, well, yeah, sort yeah, of. That. What, what's your Huddleston, what's... you know, to get the Huddleston out. Shane right here in the corner, he's the Hey, raise your hand, Shane. He doesn't want to. to he's going to be on soon. Have a, a Huddleston. Because when I bought all the Huddlestons at the shop that they got in that night, and they only made 200, but I had the first three dozen, <laughs> I, went, I stopped off at his work and I said, hey, check this out. And he looks at it and I, I figured, you know what? He goes, how much? I go, they were 25 bucks a piece, man. And I, he goes, I go, if they don't work, at least I could 
sell them to my friends. <laughs> well, hey, he, Shane's he gullible as fuck. He cooked some. <laughs> and as soon as he went up to the upper lake, because I didn't go to the upper lake, he was catching stripers right off the get-go with it. And I had mine, and then, you know, like I said, I, I, I found out what an email, what, what, a, what a website was, and then, because uh, it was on the Huddleston card, so I had my daughter get on the computer, and she goes, I told her, I go, I want to order some of these. And he had 200, and I ended up buying in three different orders that week. I bought uh, over 100 of them. It's so, so I owned them all. It's so crazy you know? because these I knew stories that they were phenomenal. And these stories are crazy because I'll talk to you, I talk to Shane, I'll talk to Rob, and then I talk to the dudes that I'm like, like Bobby Martinez. He'll go, I went in there after Butch. Mm-hmm. And I bought them, and, and, and it's crazy because he's a Calico guy, but all this comes together in the end, like, where it's like, okay, Bobby, you would think of him as a Calico guy, but he's a big striper guy, and even Shane yeah. knows who, you know, like, Shane knows who he is, so it's kind of cool, like, you see this whole big circle of people going, like, I remember walking in and saying, oh, Butch Brown bought all the baits, he's like, who's Butch Brown? No one didn't. Anyone? No one didn't, didn't know who you were at the time. Well, you know, at the like, time, I was just a fisherman yeah. doing my thing. But I made sure when I caught big fish that I always showed somebody on the lake or the lifeguard or somebody, you know, because you know when you're holding something like this and it's really fat and gushy, you know, it it's it's pretty cool, you know, it's it's something, and you know, I just went with it, and then we were laughing because I got to get Huddlestons and things like that, and then. You know, at the beginning, it started out it with Optimum and Osprey, and then the AC plug. Was and then you met that punk stick. kid, Matt, Matt Pano. He's a punk kid? Yes. You remember that punk, little punk kid, Matt Pano? No? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just met. Well, hey, Matt's such a great guy. It's a, that's one of the funniest stories. Well, when you I, could tell that story again about meeting Matt. It was When it was I met a, Matt, <laughs> I had already had the Depths 250, and I was keeping them off the market because on eBay and my couple of close friends, um, they would, uh, they knew Japanese uh, accounts and stuff. Well, and then I had a friend that we had the 175 first, but I told him I need a, if there's a bigger one, he said, next year, there's a bigger one coming out, member only. I'm like, what's that? So he goes, how many you want? And I go, what colors? And he says, it's Biwa, Carp, this. I said, I want eight of them. And he's like, what? And I go, I want eight of them. So I got eight of them. He delivered them. It took three months to get them. As soon as I started fishing it, it was like the goose that laid the golden egg. <laughs> Almost for the whole year. It was incredible. It was stupid. And I Did knew you I, give it I, away I, at that time to other friends like Shane or Rob? Or, they were you knew, giving it to they people? Kept it, okay. They kept it quiet. The, right. you, if you surround right. yourself by <laughs> a lot, a lot of people, then things are going to leak out. But if you have a few that you stay real close to, and they 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 get it then then it all works out really good and shane is you know he you could tell him something and he won't speak no, he'll die <laughs> he'll kill him. Yeah, he's good at that but anyways i got so many fish on it and it was all on video and i had this package and i said you know i i may have at one time been able to make something in a legacy of some kind with huddleston or just catching trophy bass. But now I've got all this stuff on the depths and I got a lot of it on video. So I got to find out that depths was gonna be in Las Vegas at the ICAST show. So I went there with Bassaholics because they wanted to show my video and the thing. 
And uh, I went there with my family. We had a better time being a family and doing stuff than the show. The show's boring. <laughs> but anyways, I went to the where the depths booth was. I was looking for it. And here's Matt Pino behind the counter. I go, hey, man. I go, when are the guys from depths going to be here looking for Japanese people? Well, I'm, I'm the depths guy. And I look at him. Mm, you're just a kid. <laughs> You know, he goes, he goes, I go, well, I wanted to take them and show them these videos that I have and see what they think. And he goes, well, you can leave them with me. And I'm thinking, no freaking way. <laughs> so I said, I, I might have said I'll be back later, but I never did show up. <laughs> so you big dicked him. And then a year passed by. <laughs> you big dicked him. <laughs> and then I even got the word from Jeremy Anderson from Black Dog. Another big dicker. Matt Pano is the guy you want to talk to. I'm like, that's that name again, man. <laughs> so I ended up hooking up with another guy that wanted to help me out for some reason in swim baiting to, because I'm a drywall contractor. I'm, I don't know a lot of this kind of stuff, you know? I don't win a tournament and then it all gets blown out with Western Outdoors and this and this and this and this. I'm just a guy in a little boat in local California, catching fish, and I got it on video. And, you know, I don't know what all this is all about, but he goes and talks to Matt, I'm there, and they start talking. And they start talking about branding and, and why do you think that the baits will be successful and this and that and that and this. And this guy was a really good salesman. And then Matt, Matt took it. And I don't talk to that other guy much anymore, but he says, you watch that Matt Pano guy, make sure you get those checks. And I'm like, you know, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about the money thing, you know. It, that wasn't part of it. It was the fishing and catching the big fish and being able to look at your video. That's what it was all about. I, I made a decent living. I, I, my kids all got clothes and food and, and everything. Well, it turns out that Matt Pano is probably the most trusted person you could, you could ever have as a boss and, and workable. It's just been absolutely phenomenal, you know, and I... I I've been treated so good that I, you have to put back in the pot what you get out of it, you know? I mean, even my wife tells me that, you know, we have, you know, raffles coming or kids get killed in a boat or a cancer thing and you, 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 you feel like you're putting in, you're in a position here and so what, what, what is the big deal to sign a bait and to give out a couple of baits or to do this or do that or, or do what you need to do? So you, you do it, and I think if you do good things most of the time, then you get rewarded, good things happen to you. And fishing has been, you know, very, very good to me, very consistent. You know, this month has been pretty tough. I tried really hard to get some good footage for this thing. <laughs> and uh, Butch, every time, every time you man. come on, like, I think the last time, you came on, you're like, Nick, I got a good one, a really good one. And to me, I'm like, fucking an eight or a nine's good. I got a 13. I'm like, what the fuck? And he has a whole video, and I'm like, mother. Well, the, and, and then this is where, I, where I, I, I want to be like you. Like, like when you say, I got a job, I got a job too. All this is for everyone. I don't, you know, this isn't for me. This is, I hope, I love doing this. This is the fun. The key is, you know, is when I started. Kenny Huddleston's the one that told me to do the video stuff. And he said, he said, the peanut gallery will pick apart your pictures 
They'll look at the lateral lines. They'll look at this. They'll look at the tail. They'll look at that and try to find a flaw or a double or whatever. Okay, which that's okay. I don't care. I know what I know. But with the video, it's it's the cast and the catch to the end. And what's so cool about it is you can, before you go fishing, you could look at something on the internet because I know how to use that now. <laughs> and I can see that he's saying something about uh, a toy drive or something like that. So when you catch that fish, you can get right into the camera and you can mention that or you can mention somebody's name. You can go, ha ha, Drew, too bad you're not here or something like that. So it works out really good. It's, it's straight and honest and you know that it's current. Yeah. You know, it's not something that was done a year ago. And usually all the stuff I do for promo is done the week before um, because most of the time I never even know that I'm going to be on a podcast or that, you know, I just got sent a couple of shirts and hat from somebody and I'm wearing them right there. So they know that I just gave that to him the other day. Yeah. You know, so there's no way possible that this could be last year or anything like that, you know. But uh, this last month, I fished Casitas, Castaic, Lower Lake, and Pyramid. And I probably fished five days a week. And just when I thought it was awful, it got awfuler and awfuler. <laughs> And I don't know why. Oh, that's awesome. The moon, the, when I did get bit, the moon was setting or rising. And I touched bases with Gus on that because he got one the other day uh, in that situation and, and told me what happened. But uh, the bite lately seems to be around, say, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And then after that, it shuts down. You don't even feel it in your body again. But there's a time in the day when it happens. But getting through the day to that one o'clock is pretty brutal when nothing happens in the morning. And I'm starting to think about it a little bit. And I'm, we're, I'm keeping track of the water temperatures between the guys in San Diego, Diamond Valley, the guys I know up north, me, Casitas. And at that particular time last month, it was all hovering in the 60 degree, 63 degrees, 62, 64. Well, the only thing that tells me something it could be involved in that is this was one of the warmest Novembers that we've had, from what they say, and probably the driest, I guess. But when winter starts and it starts to heat up, it gets into like the 60s, 62, 63. That's when I see fish getting active and thinking about looking for beds and, and getting up and things like that. We have fall right now where it was 80, 79 degree water temps, 72 right in there. And now it's down into that 63 degree mark. Something tells me that when it gets into that, that range from a transition to this transition, that these fish are messed up. They don't know if they're coming or going right now. They're in limbo. They don't know if spring might be coming or if winter's coming. You know what I mean? When they first see the trout stocks in the old days, when you don't have stripers in the lake, those fish knew that it's getting in the wintertime and it's time to position themselves on these rocks and points and things where the trout, you know, will migrate up and they feed on them their whole lifetime, you know. And then once that stops, well, then they, they end up getting emaciated and they die and stuff like that. But I think 
my water just turned down to 59, 58 after the winds a week ago. And then I took Gilbert's bait out there. And on a last Friday, Friday before last, well, I had 20, 20 hits and never, never put one in the boat, you know? And then finally, I got it figured out a little bit and I got them. I, I mean, they weren't hanging on the bait. They wouldn't stay with it. Um, but it's because when I got back to the lake, I noticed the temperature had dropped down in the morning to 58 degrees, 59. So I think, I think that there's something to it. I don't know what it is because, you know, I don't know how fish think, but it's just a coincidence that the guys up north have lousy fishing for the month. The guys down south have lousy fishing in most of the lakes and we have lousy fishing. So I think there's something, something there in that, in that, 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 yeah. that this particular year has them a little messed up yeah so and i think once we get maybe a good storm another storm which may be thursday but i don't know how much that's going to be but i think when we get the first storms then then things are really going to start to take off again because they they seem to react in swim baiting and the bigger fish they react to change any change of condition same with calico you know current you know, current's yeah, finally yeah, picking yeah. up, you know, bite's going to start picking up. It, there's, you know, but it could be a change in, in wind, you know, from a, from a high wind that could create that bite. It could be a change in, in uh, just the, the temperature and the weather. It's just what, whatever it might be, you know, uh, but change is always good. If it rains, the beginning of the rain, I would be there and probably the day after, but if it lingers on, on and off for a week or so, then I wouldn't really, I'd go, but I wouldn't be thinking about it that much. But then when it clears up and then the Santa Ana's come in and start blowing, well, I that's see. another change. And then, you know, that might be where they're sitting off the back drop-offs or something like that and, and, and you do good. You, you have to fish, you don't get a choice on the days, but there's days when you can think about what what might be the one that makes you not want to sleep that night because you're a little excited to get out there. Oh, yeah. You know, there, and there, there's always exception to the rule, but um, in my lifetime, and I'm 63 now, and I was his age when I showed up at the after bay, 16, <laughs> uh, I learned a lot in that time. And I learned a lot on wind, direction, you know, just the atmosphere, how fish follow things, what they like to eat in a bait that has a certain look and what they don't really care about, what looks like a Disneyland trinket, what looks like natural, <laughs> you know, action, you know, it, it's all in there. Every bait will catch a fish, but there's certain baits that shine, you know, and if you can hone it down to the baits that shine for you and stick with those, then your percentage is going to go up. You know, you know the cool thing you said right now is for you. Huh? So like you said for you. Mm -hmm. So you didn't say this is the bait that I'm using. This is what's going to work. You said the baits that shine for you. Yes. So like if you use a bait and if that works for you, that's amazing. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you have confidence in a yeah. certain color or a certain bait, then by all means, that, that's a big part of it right mm -hmm. there. Because when you're casting, you you got the feeling, you know. I mean, I'm sure all of you have thrown all day and not caught nothing and then made that one cast. And in the back of your mind, everything is just bumping along the rocks. Everything is just 
just you just got that feeling man and all of a sudden there it is you know there's just something about it you know i don't know if it's uh could be a premonition premonition or what it could be but uh you know that's what everyone's looking for that's like i hate saying the tug is the drug yeah. There's nothing like that fucking bite, right, guys? Yeah. No? You don't want to catch them all the time because that's not. No, fun. guys. There's nothing like, like that bite. No, right? No. You no? gotta work at it. You know. Yeah, guys. No. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Get up. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, let's do some Q and A. We got Butch here. He's gonna answer some questions for you guys. Uh, also, we have this bait for a raffle. For that reason, uh, he signed it for you. Uh, you guys have a chance at winning that thing. Uh, you got a question? Come up and ask. Ask it. Bill's gonna help you out. Yeah, uh, tick, he's gonna be ticket guy as well. So, okay. So I kind of asked Mike Gilbert the same question earlier. I just wanted to ask you about it. Um, obviously, you're super in tune with your boat at the lower lake. Tiny little thing, and you talk about the low profile on it and the dark. Um, kind of just how it's a darker boat. Uh, do you pay attention to wearing darker clothes and to keeping a lower profile on the lake um, to fool those fish into, like those followers into eating and stuff next to the boat? You gotta repeat it for me. I missed a little bit of it. So he's, he, he has said, do you, do you um, think about it when you're fishing having a low profile or changing your clothes so they're darker? For the fish, um, you know, does that make a difference? I have access to new rangers. I have access to a lot of different bass boats, but my little black boat is one fishy machine. And I think that when you're fishing clear water and you're standing on the deck of your, you know, your ranger, as much as I love a ranger. <laughs> they're, they're, hey, fuck you, they ranger. They are a nice boat, but all of them. Well, if you're throwing a glide bait or something like that, I think that if you have a follower kind of a day, that they will detect you a lot sooner, and you'll see them just drift away from your bait. You know, they, they, they know. But my little black boat, I don't sit that high off the water, you know, and it's, it's, it's smaller. It's got a big, big silver prop in the water that's this big around, and... Uh, they come right to the boat. I mean, I could do a figure eight, you know, a lot of times. They, they come right to it. Um, whether it's feasible on all bodies of water to fish out of that kind of boat, it's probably not. You need to keep track of the weather and stuff. But for me, um, you know, you, when I'm out there and I'm on a bank, you can't see me. You don't see me as far as coming over and wanting to fish in my spot or anything like that, which I love that kind of thing, but uh, it's just fishy, you know? It's always been fishy. And I, I you know, it's got good juju. So you, I, heard you, <laughs> good juju. I heard you say one time that, uh, that if you had your little black boat in the HBC tournaments, you would have done a lot better. So are you really, do you really attribute that much of your success to your profile in your yeah. boat yeah but you can't go to clear lake and do a run in that boat you know you can't fish the hbc at casitas in 55 mile an hour winds so you you're dealt a set of cards and you got to deal with it at that particular time but you 
I can settle down in there so comfortably and it's got everything and it's it's been rebuilt six times Damn, where I've picked out crazy. every little flaw that bothered me and made it better. So now everything just fits in like a glove. Like on the side of my boat, there's nothing that that can cut your line. Everything is rounded where the net goes. There's nothing it can get stuck on when you reach down to grab it to net that 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 shot of a lifetime if you have to get it quick. You know, everything is dialed in a particular way. And, you know, if you all you got to do is just watch a, a bunch of the videos and you could see how it's just like clockwork every time. You know, I don't miss too many of them when they get to the boat. I read them. I know when they're going to jump, when they do get next to the boat and I and they're going to jump. I've already got the net in my hand. So I, when they do jump, I'm pulling back on them, too. So I'm getting them to come towards me when they do jump. And it, it's it's right there in the net. And and having the right net is very, very important as a single angler, as a double, you can have the, the best, the best, you know, these hundred dollar nets, long handles, you know, I get it, no problem. But when you're by yourself, you got to have something that's fast and something you can grab real quick and you can handle with one hand because I've, I've have friends that I have videos of that I won't show anybody that picked up their hundred dollar net to net that fish and the lure where's fumio out when you see that where's fumio fumio or how many guys that are that are up on the the higher pedestal in swim baiting have mm. you watched net fish mm -hmm. that you felt in your opinion that that thing should have been gone yeah you only get a little you know they sh they shake that thing and and they you only do it a couple of times and then the, it, the bait flies out of there it's gone so you got to capitalize on that fish of a lifetime right away. And the net, the netting is very important. But, uh, and I was working with Pro, uh, what is it? What's that? Promar. Promar on a single angler net. And they, uh, uh, because of COVID and stuff, they we had to put a little hold on it. But see, when they took nets and started making them with that rubber mesh, that makes them heavier and slower. Well, as soon as I got wind that all the nets were going to be made that way compared to the ones I was getting, I just went to all the tackle shops and bought everything that they had. So when I go in my, you've been to my, in my garage and I have all my spare nets for the future because you can't buy them anymore, you know, but they, they need to make a, a net for a swim bait guy because these are heavy baits. They're getting, they're getting thrown all over the place and, and uh, the, the object of the game is to be going like this with your double digit. And if, if it swims away and you don't get to touch it, it's, it hurts. Makes sense. Makes it, sense. In the brain, you go, is, is it ever going to happen again? You know? Oh, it I took, agree. It took me 13 years to get this bite. How long is it going to take now? Oh, and I yeah. used to think that way. When I started catching big bass, I'd wonder, how long is it going to take for me before I get that next double digit bite? And sometimes it would be that day or, you know, a week or, you know, but I think it might take years, but it just came. And it, then, it, then, then I sort of didn't think about it anymore because it got to be pretty routine, you know. Uh, so you need to capitalize on everything. You got to put the percentages on your side and whatever bait you're comfortable with because there's so many baits out there now and 
you, you need to 250 confident whatever 250, 250 yeah of course <laughs> always hey thank you for the question i appreciate yeah, thank that you Any, yeah, thank another you another question come on apparently you guys are better than butch right yeah right here come here come up uh, i got you i'm i, I another another uh, this is real stuff i gotta pee so ask yeah. butch a question <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Butch. Thank you for yeah, signing. You gotta speak real loud for me. Sorry, Butch. Hang on. Thank you for coming out and uh, signing my trout at Fred Hall last time and giving me the advice that you gave me for our lakes in Arizona with golden algae problems. And last time you told me um, that lots of guys will come and go, but the ones who stay and will and learn and put time on the water will reap their rewards. Um, what I wanted to ask was where swim baiting is at right now. What, do you, in your personal opinion, what do uh, what separates other guys from other other guys? Where swim baiting is at right now, where it could take off, and guys like Jared Swag for uh, Fall of '74, Jared um, Snag Daddy's in here. That uh, one of the guys is in here. Um, sorry, I'm fumbling this, but. More of what's the path that they should kind of figure out on their own for their own home waters and their home lakes of uh, Yes Because I fished my lake a long time and You learn every nook and cranny every rock. There's things that you look at that you think are nothing but it could have a little little six inch drop, could have a rock on it, could have something. They need to learn all those spots because the population is gonna get more and they're gonna be more competitive out there as far as boats coming in and fishing your personal waters. And I don't worry about it at all because I don't worry about people seeing the video where I catch fish or anything like that because so many things you can have a chair like that on a bank and that person will never even cast that bait across there you need to make when i go out there i make sure all my casts are pretty much on point so when i come over here i just do a couple casts on each side go around i do a couple casts over here and i'm off to the next you know i was taught a long time ago not to stay in one spot too long because people you know think you're catching fish there and it might be a spot that you want to fish and uh you don't want to get get people to hone in on what you've learned you know you need to be a little stealthy about that kind of stuff but uh you know uh i i just they come right behind me they come right at me and like they would you if, if you were on your fish or something but the thing that's in, that you have the advantage of is you know where all your casts are going. You know, you might turn around and throw it out in the middle of the lake, but you know there's a drop off there or, or something. You know, uh, you know I have been followed and stuff, but you know I've also pulled the old, you know, go out to the middle of the lake, meter around a little bit, drop a buoy marker, hang out for an hour, leave that, and watch that guy go right over there and spend the rest of the day. I've done that. 
you know, then I know I'm being, that's happening. But I don't know if I'm answering the question correctly, if I heard it right. Sorry, I, I just might not be wording it right. Um, he has you, to, he has to get back because it sounds to me, I, I can't. Um, and as. The same as Gilbert, like the lakes? Sort of a little bit. And when we talked, I told you that our golden algae was spraying. Oh, so out he's talking about the golden algae bloom in uh, Arizona? Yeah. And they're not getting bit that way, right? Like right. Well, my struggle has been just trying and but find, that's a, that's find a cycle that they've had there. I think it's cycle like it's a cycle. I was cycle there. Like here. I think it was '08 or '05 with Swimbait Nation when they had their webs. That website was up, you know, before Facebook and all this other stuff. And when I was there at the ISE show in Phoenix. Uh, the guys were coming in telling me about the algae bloom and how fish were dying off at this lake, but for some reason they said the smallmouth were, were doing okay. Uh, you know, I heard some guys saying that, but they were saying this whole side of the lake is dead and this and that. Yeah. Okay, and that was when Huddleston was out. When I was there with, for Huddleston. So it was probably 05 or 06. Well, when we were at that show, we had the hottest bait, swim bait you can imagine. I think we only sold two of them there, okay? Two baits in two days. And I was thinking that I guess in Arizona they can't afford $25 baits. You know? <laughs> no, they can't. Well, they can't afford you know, screen. that's what I'm thinking. That's why everybody moves to Arizona. Well, back then that's what I was thinking. Well, it's not true. Um, the fishing turned to crap. You know, uh, both lakes. Uh, what's the other one? Canyon. Canyon and yeah. Some, but that's okay. So between that time and let's say when the depths 250 came out, which would be uh, when you guys everybody started getting it. What would that be? 12 or 15? I had it in 12 and 10, I think. But when it came out, Manny Chi and those guys, Manny Chi. You know, they all started. They were all catching nice fish. They all started guide, guide services and everything with that. So obviously, the fish grew from that time in four or five years to what they had in there. Makes sense. You Makes know? sense. Yeah. Or what was it? Maybe eight years. Yeah. So I think it's just a just a process. You just have to wait, and and you know, and that's part of life. You know, you you get older and stuff like that, and you can only deal with it so many times, but it will come back, and then it will happen again. You know. And it's almost like when we have drought where they quit stocking like Casitas yeah. and Lower Castaic, um, those fish and Piru, those, those are trophy lakes. <laughs> but you're taking away their main source of food and where these, these trophy fish lived and where they knew where to go to feed on those when the temperature changed. And then you take it away. So you're taking crack away from them. Well, they're going to Jones. They're going to get skinny. They're going to die. And then the lake, then they start eating each other. Okay. And then it completely has to change over into a new cycle of fish that where everything gets balanced out. You have your shad now because they didn't get all torn up like they did when, when there wasn't much food around. The, the bass are spawning and the fry are living because they're not eating all of that stuff. The bluegill are coming back. And then the lake finally gets balanced out. And that's what we're having it like the lakes now here, Castaic and Casitas, they're, they're balanced out to where 
you know, the fishing is, is decent and there's some nice 10 pounders because, you know, they, if to get to be 10 pounds, obviously they're eating bluegill or something in there, but they're, they're healthy. But I think at, at your lake, it's the same, sort of the same thing. It's all a cycle that you, that you have to go through uh, for those fish to, to get better. So, you know, either you, you need, have they got any double digits that you know of? No. And, and the lake looks good and healthy now? And seems like it's kind of starting to be like the Phoenix getting reborn. Have you talked to Justin at all? And it's been two, yeah, what, okay. two years right. since, since the, the algae? Uh, I would say about that, two and uh -huh. a half. When and I did you see it, good spawn? You know, fry? Fry, yeah. Okay. Fry at we'll both, both of the lakes. That's your next they, generation that's, that's What's your last up? biggest fish you've caught? Uh, 7.12 pounds on the bubble. When was that? Uh, last November. Okay, so that's not bad for, like, if they're catching 12s there, like, that's the big fish. Or even Grady, like, he's caught catching 13, whatever. Fucking a 7 would be, like, that's say Bass Jack costing 18. If you caught a 13, how many people would be happy? Raise your hand if you caught a 13. And be, you're catching 13s, bro. That, that, to me, that makes sense. You're catching 13s, you're doing what your job in that area. So I would not be like beating yourself up over like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, like you, you're doing your job. Sometimes I film in the last year. You, you shouldn't be like, I mean, you're talking lost. to the goat, right? We, we figured that out. You, I told him what the goat is. But you know what I'm saying? Like you're doing your job, you're catching a seven. Like you talk to Manny, Manny be like, that's a fucking great fish, bro. Like, in, because a 10 would be like, you can't catch tens right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it's, that's just from talking to Justin, the guys from Arizona that are fishing right. there, yeah, Grady, that's, that's the all the dudes, and they're like, yeah, it's just what it is right now. So I think you're on the right track. Yeah. And again, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just telling you what I've heard from these guys. You just, and Butch is telling you the same. You've know? got to sort of just be patient and, yeah. you know, and just get ready. Because that, that, that fish now, this year, if that was last November, this spring that fish is going to be in the mid to high eight pound class if maybe not more depending how it fed you know and obviously he, it exists you know right that, that's hopefully that's it's still it. there you know you just have to you're just gonna have to weather the storm and and you know i guess it's gonna be you're gonna have a few weeks or half a year like i had this last month. <laughs> yeah, a seven pound is great. I have two that of is. them. I have a one six. seven large mouth and a calico seven. Are they I'm stocking the trout there? They did. Uh, yeah, and they did. Seven. Early, early stock. See, that, that doesn't take long for fish to start start growing once they start putting that in. No, and, and that's when you had mentioned that, you know, some guys will come and go, you know, yeah. at Fred Hall two years back. And I asked you, and you, you had said, well, maybe get a fish oxen aerator. Uh -huh. uh, to check out the oxygen levels and that stuff. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing the bait fish come back and certain things kind of come back. But in October, late October, when they had stocked, I had, that was the first time I had actually seen what I would see out here, them ambushing the trout and that stuff. Um, finally, after three years of hitting those lakes hard mm -hmm. and trying not to fish dead water, but also trying to keep an eye on them and wanting to earn you know, that fish fish again, you know, because I earned them on the HUD with a year and two months of nothing straight, nothing, and our water clarity is two feet, and you get bit, and you go to reel down the bottom out, and it's just not there, or 
they, the new generation of fish, from what Justin has told me, is that they're mm -hmm. fucked up and <laughs> they're sick from the, they, we got to teach them that they can eat a big bait like that. They whack them in the summertime on conventional stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That was kind of more of where I was getting at now that I'm a few years in, I feel more confident, got more research, got my logs and that stuff. And But, you know, 15 trips out and you're, you're burned out. Yeah. You know, you, I wouldn't let your guard down if, you know, when, it, when you're, when the fishing is like it is with the big baits, but sometimes I've noticed when you have that situation, like with these other lakes that had the, 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 the trout not, not being put in that they tend to, some of the bigger fish tend to feed more on the bluegill type baits and stuff like that, because that's what's available. Okay, and if you're chucking the big stuff, you're going to get the selected fish. What you need to do is plug along and maybe do both. And once you see signs of that bigger grade start to appear, which is going to happen, then I wouldn't let your guard down. I would just start staying with the bigger baits and, uh, and get them as they grow and then, you know, and, 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 and run with it for the years that it lasts until that freaking algae stuff comes back and and then you can come back here and tell us just how it all played out. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Thank but, you, fellas. Yeah, that algae's bad stuff. Thank, yeah. thank you, guys. All right. Take any care. more questions, guys? Let's. Uh, we have we have 15 more minutes, so let's bang out like as many as we can quickly. So you can guys get in the raffle as well. So uh, yeah, just. So, Butch, do you ever downsize, or uh, do you just have enough confidence to stick with your 8-inch HUD and Depths 250? I uh, mean, advertise for baits? No, like if you're, like if you're fishing yeah. and it gets cold or oh, something, downsize? do you ever downsize? You know, I go with the moon when I see that kind of stuff. And when I experimented with it on the lakes that are not trout stocked anymore, I noticed that I got bit a little bit better, even by some bigger fish. But... Generally, I stick with the big stuff. You know, I, not, I, I, I don't know what big is anymore because it seems like they've downsized the swim baits a lot in order to become swim baiters in a lot of the states versus California. It's been a big, <laughs> it's been a big bait. Thing. I'm sorry. Well, it's I, true. It's a day, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, like... you know, I mean, if you want to be a swim baiter, I guess that that's what you want to call it, but it used to be like eight inch bait and up, but it got it got downgraded a bit, you know, to be in the club, I guess. You know what I mean? It's like some states consider a five pounder equal to a ten pounder in California. That's well, a good that that's a how good many freaking ten yeah, pounders in California argument. are you gonna catch? Yeah, see, so I'm from Utah, so a five pounder is like pretty well, big. It, so what's your what's your state <laughs> record? I know, I know what's your Utah's state record? Got big fish. State records ten uh ten two it exists. So oh, yeah, a five like, would be like a fucking ten year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a picture of a girl from Utah right after the two fifty came out with like a eight and three quarter. Yeah, that's Chanley. She's a stick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we know her. Yeah, she's yeah. a nice fish. She Thanks, was Butch. Yeah, but I stick big, you know, big as I can. Oh, we know you do. We know you do. <laughs> Butch, you're the go. Oh, hey, we can't trust this guy. He's can't. He has. He, no. Hey, oh, he can't ask a question. Hey, hey, Butch, if you if you were going to a, a unfamiliar body of water, what would be some of the key elements that you would do to try and dissect the lake? 
and figure it out in a short period of time. And really quick, Whitney's going to come on the podcast. This dude for Calico knows it all. He's a stick. Uh, thank you for coming out, Whitney. Like, I got to get you on. You're, he's the guy. This guy's he's very quiet, but he's a fucking stick, man. I can't wait to get you on. I just want to let people know that, like, you know. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, you bet. You so, bet, man. So what, what you're saying is if I'm going to go to a new body of water, how would I, like, analyze what I'm going to do and everything? Yeah, if you had a short period of time, how would you kind of dissect the lake so uh, to try and figure out what the fish are doing? You know, uh, when I go to these lakes, I, I would sort of think about what I've heard in the past as far as what the quality of fish are in there and whether they have striper or not, and maybe what time of year it is, or if they have trout stocks. And then I would sort of put that together. But I would sort of do a bait that goes a little bit faster so I could search for followers or hits. Like, you know, I like using my thumper tail because I get bit on it a lot, or my, my bluegill bait. And I can cover a lot of water in a short time. So then when noon time comes around, I can sit back and say, I got bit off that point. I had two followers over here. And I had something happen over here. I'm not sure. And then I'll go only have so much time. So I'll go back and then I might take a 250 out, something that's a little bit slower, and then take a little more time in these particular areas that I did find some fish and then try to get something going there. You know, if I had like a one day gig, but you know, you have to take everything into consideration. Striper, stock, time of year, you know, maybe wind direction, you know, everything. Uh, whether you want to bring it uphill, downhill, you know, that you know, I like there's nothing better than than getting off a point and throwing like a two fifty out there and letting it sink to the bottom. And then you just you just start turning the handle and you can get you can you feel it start to do its thing and then you give it a quickie and it goes up. And then it just as it starts to go, if you ever hey, watch you're giving the, the juice water, away right now. Natural. You're giving the juice away right now. Huh? You're giving the juice away. Yeah. Well, it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's that. Hey, fit. it works. It's, Try this. Big fish. Everyone's like, but it's something you haven't seen down there before. <laughs> you know, something a little slower and a little you innovation. Know, fishy. Trying, trying something different. Like always want to yeah. do but something you have different. Have to find right? fish first. Yeah. Yes. You know. Uh, that's the important part. And if you've only got one day to fish the lake, you know, then you gotta, you gotta sort of really move around, you know, to, to get something going. Unless it's spring, if it's spring, then I, you know, I'd probably do the 250 or if it was trout stock, I would look with the 250. You know, I'd even go to your lake and throw the 250 and see what happens, you know? Because <laughs> I, I know they're not doing that much there. <laughs> let's, let's take another question. Uh, there we go. Okay, so um, my question's kind of like uh, similar or a continuation of the previous question. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm visiting body of water that I'm familiar with. Let's say, take it your approach when you're at your home body of water, you're going to your selected spots. What is your mindset or kind of thought process as you go through your designated piece of structure and you work it? That's my question. I mean, is, is picking a spot to start with? No. When you've identified the spot, how do you go through kind of dissecting that spot? How do you, you dissect saying, the spot? 
So well, I fish it a, a, a few different times during the day right. to figure out if it's a time of day thing. I look for the bird life around it, whether there's the greaves are on it or the okay. cooter working the, you know, okay. the weeds and pushing out bait fish, you know, time of the year. Like there's one spot at the lake right now that 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 that's that's I've I've got I, I like I fish deep and medium water, which I would call like. 15 feet the last month and it was sort of really hard to get bit and then uh, two weeks ago I said you know what and it's outside of this particular area I went in into three to five feet of water well that's where all the life was man I mean I didn't see bluegill or anything swimming <laughs> around but I'm getting followers on the 250 and three feet of water and then I put it together that for this some reason, this particular area, and we call it the Tulis, all the birds are here in the morning, and it's a variety of birds. And even I, the other day, I had the the white heron on the shore, and they're chasing stuff down the bank. So that tells you there's bait there. That's what they're all in there. The fish are in there doing, but they're when the my favorite time of year is now because when the coots show up to eat the weeds, well they're diving and there's hundreds. There's a thousand of those things going down, coming up and pulling up the weeds. Well, when they're doing their thing, they're pushing out all this bait fish on the outside of them. And then you have the bass that are already seasoned that know, hey, this is where the bait is because this is maybe this is what they did last year. And then they sit on the outside of them and feed. And then that's where I'll hone in on, on the, the more productive spot. And it's, it's working right now. You know, that's exactly what I did a, a week ago when I when I took Gilbert's bait out there because, you know, it was hard for me to keep the baits clean, but his bait stays clean, and they were all over it, man. They would they wouldn't leave it alone. But I can't only whine so long before I hit crap, you know, and it's really frustrating, you know. But as far as dissecting the spot, you know, you you got to go in different wind wind directions. You got to have the time to do it, you know, like. Me, I live at the lake, so it's real easy for me to do to come back for three days and figure it all out. You know, when you got to travel to Diamond Valley and it takes an hour and a half, it's it's not that easy. And then you're you know you're not going to come back for another week or so. You know, things change in that time, so you sort of got to be real on top of the game when you finally narrow them down into something. But the, you know, that's what you have to look at. You have to try different directions you know go in throw out vice versa look at the sonar all the time you know while you're in there but uh, when i get serious and i figure it out the sonar is off no more noise and uh, most of the time i anchor you know downwind or upwind from them and i like to throw down on top of them you know that works real good at my like total quiet total silence and then it, things start to pan out pretty good you know. Thank you. Thanks for asking the question. Okay, we're gonna wrap this. Up. Oh, All yeah, right. one more. You have a question? Yeah, quick. Go for it. Yeah. Butch, uh, I know you like. Uh, I know you have a lot of good stories, and uh, you caught a lot of big fish in your lifetime. I just want to hear about that one that got away. You know, that twenty-plus pounder. <laughs> and you don't have to tell me where it was. I just want to hear <laughs> yeah, that story. We want to hear the story but, when it got away. Huddleston Deluxe, three point, where that guy. And his friend, their first day with a hood, got a 16 and a quarter and a, they had two 13s that day. That particular point, I had one 
uh, before that with the HUD. It was either before or after, but at that time I was using, uh, I had Max Maxima line on because I couldn't get my P line. That I, I like the P line CXX at that time, the Moss Green. But I hooked one off that point that I had to the boat that, that I knew in my heart was dotty size. And I had that Damn. fish to the boat. I had my eight feet of line out for the net. And this was before cameras and stuff. And the fish surged right down and then went underneath the boat and snapped it off just like that. What but do you think it was? Do you think that was bigger than what you caught? Huh? You think that was a 20-something? I know it was. I've seen three in that lake that were dotty size. Damn. No question about it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but the, the trout stocks are not there anymore, you know? And so, you know, I just hope for a double digit now. You know, unless I want to travel to certain selected lakes, then I, you know, I know that there's some big fish in those particular lakes. But. Well, I'm sure you'll be the one that will get it. I'm sure. Hey, I want to say thank you, and it's been it's cut a little short because things got flipped around. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, give him a ticket. Give that. Guy. You have a you had a question? Okay, give him a ticket. Just we. You didn't ask a question. He didn't fucking put a hand up. So you put a hand up. Period. Okay, real quick. Most 10 pounders in one day? That's it, quick question, quick answer. Quick answer. I've probably had more 10 to, I've never had, the most, I've had, most of them have been over 12 to 14 pounds. Okay. But I've done that, I've had, put it this way, the stringer you see me with the depth 250, that was seven fish in 20 minutes. And the smallest one on that stringer is 12 pounds. Uh, but I've done that many times, you know. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I can't really remember that, but my best is that uh, week, I think, was like 24. I've had two years where I broke 100, you know, 107 and uh, 120, 128 uh, over 10. And the 128 was done in nine months. Yeah, I never got one after Did that. Did you have a quick it, question you want to ask? You want to ask a yeah. quick question real quick? But okay, go ahead, good. give it to him, Phil, real I quick. I used to average, you know, 50 to 75 a year when things were really good. And like this year, I think I'm probably around 16 over 10. But like last year was probably four. The year before that was probably two, you know, so it, it changes. Yeah. What's your question real quick? Okay, Last so question. If you had to choose one bait to use forever, what would it be? A Huddleston or a Depth 250? 250. <laughs> done and done. Okay. It's Here we go. Okay. I don't get... I can't say. Don't give him a ticket. He's an asshole. Because there's, there's guys here that probably fish there. But it's not around, it's not around here. Yeah, I can't even film where I go because if I put it on the internet, then they'll uh, they'll hang me. Yeah. And you gotta read it. I gotta read it. Yep. I'll read it for you if you guys put glasses on. Okay, ready? Three nine three two five six eight. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, you want to come up? You want to come and take a picture with him? Huh. <laughs> this guy's a piece of shit. He's coming up. Fuck this guy. <laughs> He's a, no, come on stage. Come on. You got it. You're knocking chairs over. Just come up and get the fucking bait. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. It's your bait, bro. Like you want it. Yeah. There you go. You got it.